Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Hey, podcast listeners, I want to talk to you today about nine ways we think and play small and hold ourselves back from achieving the things we're truly capable of doing. The reason I bring this up is because time and again in my life, I have witnessed women wanting to do something big and juicy and out of their comfort zone, but they give up on their vision long before getting there, or they sabotage their own success along the way, or maybe they torpedo the idea before even giving it a shot. There are all kinds of sneaky ways that we're holding ourselves back from what we're truly capable of doing. I bet you can think of lots of different ways that you see the people around you thinking and playing small, but your own ways are invisible to you. When we come back from the intro, we'll bring this down to the ground level. Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. Today, I want to share with you nine ways that women play and think small. Three of them are in the things that we do. Three are in the way that we talk, and three of them are physical. I want to give credit here to Tara Moore and her book, Playing Big, for helping me give shape to my own ideas around this topic. I'll put a link to her book in the show notes. To help you keep track of these nine ideas, I made a simple one-page PDF that you can grab from the show notes on my website. Go to shethinksbigpodcast.com forward slash 008. This one-page worksheet will help you identify ways you might be playing small and how to shift into playing bigger. So let's get started. Here are three really sneaky behavior ways that are keeping you playing a smaller game. The first one is making projects too big, too complicated, or too hard. When we make projects too big, we get lost in them. We plan out design and content, we add bells and whistles, and we make it all work and fit together nicely. The problem is it takes way too long to ship it, like Seth Godin says. And we avoid getting incredibly useful feedback from our users in the marketplace. Our ideas don't get tested and refined and tested and refined. Instead, we wait and wait and wait, nine months until this whole giant thing is complete. And when we launch it, we hear a giant thud. The appeal of doing it this way is the appearance of safety. Safety from criticism, safety from looking foolish, safety from being judged, not wasting somebody's time, or wasting your own money. The thing is that we need feedback from the market in order to refine our ideas and to give our consumers what they want. Gathering insights is less expensive than developing a big product with more features, which increases costs and risk if the product fails or no one wants it. 
The solution here is to create what's called an MVP, Minimum Viable Product. It's a product with just enough features to satisfy your early customers and to provide feedback for moving forward onto the next round. I have a colleague, let's call her Beth, who's building a huge online course in Thinkific. It's a great idea. The problem is she's been at it for almost six months with little to no market feedback. She's going off of hunches and she might be right because it does sound like a great idea. But if she's wrong, she will have wasted a lot of time and energy and may have to go almost all the way back to the drawing board. The trick is that it feels so safe and productive to hide out behind your computer screen all day, building out courses and content. A better way would be to make a scaled-down version, a one-hour webinar or a two-hour workshop. Make it bite-sized and executable. Get the feedback that you need from the marketplace. Get your ideas in front of people right away. And then you refine and build from there. If you're making things too big and too complicated, get out there and test the smallest possible version of your idea and see what people like. Yes, it's scary, but it totally beats waiting too long to ship only to find that it's not what people want. The second thing is endless editing and perfectionisting. Yes, I'm coining a new term here today on the podcast, perfectionisting, the act of being a perfectionist. I have a sneaking suspicion that there are some perfectionists in the crowd. The great thing about being a perfectionist is that we get to think that it will protect us from criticism. If I make this perfect, no one will critique it. Phew, criticism escaped. The thing is, is that critical people will find things to criticize, no matter what you do. Critical people criticize. It's what they do. There's no safety in making things perfect. And when you do edit after edit, you don't get feedback. Same as with making projects too big and complicated. Your product is not in the store on the shelf where people can give you money for it. To be clear, I'm not saying that mistakes all over the place are just fine. What I'm saying is that you need to find the sweet spot between proofing your work a couple times so that it meets your standard of quality and then reduce the time spent on the diminishing returns of the 18th rewrite of your blog post. Number three is hiding your accomplishments. I work with incredibly accomplished women and I'm often amazed and astonished at just how much they have achieved in their lives. It's exciting and inspiring to work with them. What's crazy though is just how hard it is to get them to own and tell their stories. Just last week, I was listening to one of my clients being interviewed on a podcast episode. I heard her talking about her experience as an athlete. And she said, oh, and the time I did a marathon. And I was like, wait, what? Because I know that she's done more than just the one small marathon she was making it sound like. It made me wonder just how much she was hiding. So in our session yesterday, I asked her just how many marathons she'd run. I was expecting her to say something like four or six or eight. And I was totally floored when she said, oh, 19. And I was like, oh, okay, right. I asked her what else she'd done that she hadn't thought to mention. And the list went on and included considering Olympic trials and a host of exercise and physiology degrees and certifications. The thing is that in her line of work, these stories are incredibly important to the people who follow her. And by not sharing it, she's robbing them of the very expertise, knowledge, and guidance that they need to reach their own goals. So those three sneaky ways that we're playing small are making projects too hard and complicated, endless editing and perfectionisting, and hiding your accomplishments. Let's go on to the next three ways, the way that we talk. 
The first way is softening, shrinking, asking permission, and using all these little words to diminish what we're actually saying. Sounds like this. I'm sorry, but I actually just want to take a little bit of your time. Would it be all right if I did that? Notice the words sorry, actually, just, and take a little bit. Like just, I just want to take a little bit of your time here. And the question, would it be okay asking permission? Sure, there are times when in context, a little bit of softening might make sense. It's the excessive use or the consistent use of this kind of softening or diminishing language where we diminish the value of what we have to share. The second way that's troublesome is up-talking, sing-song, or ending your statements sounding like it's a question. It goes like this. I have a startup using microprocessors and high-tech next-gen nanotechnology that's the wave of the future and poised to grab $100 million of market share in the next three years. Right? Like, how seriously would you take that person? Or everything sounding like a question. I have a startup using microprocessors and high-tech next-gen nanotechnology that's the wave of the future and poised to grab $100 million of market share in three years. You really should get in on it. Or talking too fast because we don't want to take up people's time, right? Other people are more important than us. So let me just talk really fast and scrunch my words into a few short seconds. It would sound like this. I have a startup using microprocessors and high-tech next-gen nanotechnology that's the wave of the future and poised to grab $100 million of market share in the next three years. Wait, what? (laughs) Right? When we talk too fast, it's hard for people to hear what we're really saying, and they tend to tune out. The subtext of what we're saying is, what I'm saying is not that important, and you really shouldn't listen. So they don't. Go ahead and take up the time that you need to say what you have to say. So those are three ways that you might be talking to keep an eye out for. They are using diminishing words like sorry, kind of, just, and a little bit. Up-talking and sing-song and ending your sentences with everything sounding like a question and talking too fast. Much of this stems from believing in the value of what you have to say. Your thoughts, your perspective is important. It matters. Take the time to do whatever centering rituals that you have in order to ground yourself and fully inhabit your voice. Let's go on to the three ways that you might be physically thinking and playing small. The first one is posture. What's it like? Is it caved in at the shoulders or slouched? Or is it both upright and tense? We absorb lessons from a lifetime of culture and experience that inform how we sit or stand in the world. If we feel less than confident about our appearance, we might try and hide by slouching or caving in. Or if at a really early age, we felt unsafe in our house and the best way to avoid being disciplined, harshly spoken to, or maybe even hit was to be still and hide, we might be carrying that behavior into adulthood where it doesn't apply in the same way anymore. You're the best person to know how it is to be in your body. And if you're hiding by slouching or caving in, or if you're trying to stay invisible, not wanting to be seen because you think it might be safer. Only you can know, and chances are you do know. So the question becomes, what do you need to shift for how you sit and how you stand to align with the beautiful and amazing woman that you are? The second way you might be hiding out physically is by hiding behind things like clothing, sunglasses, makeup, and accessories. What's your dress like? Is it frumpy or loose and baggy because you don't want people to see you? Or is it really tight because you want people to observe your physicality rather than see beyond the clothing? One interesting quote is from Justice Sonia Sotomayor. She says, 
Dressing badly has been a refuge much of my life, a way of compelling others to engage with my mind, not my physical presence. In what ways might you be altering your physical appearance to distract or deflect or hide attention from what's underneath it all? I'll admit that sometimes I wear sunglasses when I don't want to be seen. So if this is you and this speaks to you, what choice might you want to make about your appearance so that you are your full and authentic self? The third way that physically we tend to think or play small is to not show up at all. I'm talking about meetings that perhaps we weren't invited to, but think we should be attending. I'm talking about networking events that maybe you're a bit intimidated to go to because you don't know very many people yet, or maybe it's out of your league. I'm talking about groups of women who enjoy doing the very same things that you do, but you hold yourself back from going. There's no doubt that sometimes simply showing up can be uncomfortable. One way to get out of this one is to ask yourself, what happens over the long term if I continue to not show up? And compare that to What's possible if I do go? We need you and your voice showing up 100% to hear what you have to say, to share your contribution, because it matters. Those three ways that we might be physically playing small, once again, are slouching and caving in or being really tight and taut and tense. Number two, hiding behind your clothing, your appearance, your makeup, your sunglasses. And number three, simply not showing up at all. I know you have it in you to up your game. And if you want help showing up bigger, thinking bigger, and playing bigger, head on over to my website, shethinksbigpodcast.com, and click on the Work With Me tab, where you can find out the different ways to work with me. Remember that you can pick up the one-page PDF worksheet to help you keep these nine key ways of playing big in mind. If you want to find out more about the She Thinks Big podcast or hear previous episodes, head on over to my website, shethinksbigpodcast.com. And of course, I want to know what you're thinking big about. I hope you'll share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. I love hearing from listeners because here in my studio, all I hear is crickets and my meowing cats. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave me a raving five-star review. You can write to me at geraldine at shethinksbigpodcast.com. And if you want to send a tweet, I'm at Geraldine Carter. You've been listening to She Thinks Big. See you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.